0: You've never been there. What do you think it'll be like? The streets are made out of gold. And it's really bright. Angels. Dresses. Dresses are in the boat. Oh, they're in a boat. Okay. What color boat is it? Maybe red, bears. There's dogs in heaven, but there's probably not cats. There's lots of buildings. Really tall ones? Yeah. Like really, really tall? Yeah. There's gold everywhere. I think it has sand in a beach. Do you think there are sharks in heaven? No. Starfish? No, I hate starfish. <laughs> the trees would be green, or the trees could be gold. There's no death, pain, sickness, or any of that bad stuff. Probably with ballerinas and statues of angels. What about the Statue of Liberty? Would it be there? Mm, Yes. What else do you see? Basketball hoop. Basketball hoop? It is always fun starting out a sermon after that video and after the kids' videos because you all have smiles on your faces. And I watch that every time, and I can't help it, but I smile and I laugh and I feel bad for the starfish and all the other things, but I just love it, and uh, it's been a fun series to do on heaven. And today we're going to wrap it up, and um, we've been getting to something that I've just wanted to get to this moment, to get heaven all back on Jesus And to get it focused in on Jesus. So that's where we're going uh, towards the end of this service. And at all of our campuses, we're going to end with just a time of worship, uh, just singing about Jesus and trying to get a greater revelation of our Lord and Savior. Because Billy Graham was asked, where is heaven? And he said, I don't know exactly where heaven is, but I know Jesus is there, and that's where I'm going. And it's really, heaven is all about Jesus. Jesus is there, and that's where we're going, and that's what's going to make it heaven. And so I want us to just make sure that we end focused in on Jesus with a greater revelation of who he is. Um, We have had some great resources in this and uh, haven't been able to cover everything. And again, if you are interested in more on this, uh, Randy O'Kern wrote a great book on heaven, been a great resource in this whole series. And if I could just say this, I want us to lean into heaven Let's keep leaning into heaven. I shared that illustration early on about uh, the uh, elderly gentleman that my family used to pick up on the way to church. And uh, he had special needs, and he used to say, you know, we're going to heaven. Jesus is going to be there. Ooh, hallelujah. I mean, I was walking through the hallway of the church, and people come up to me, and they go, ooh, hallelujah. I was like, all right, you're leaning into heaven. And, And Gene was leaning into heaven so much, he knew it would be amazing. And I thank God that we are just leaning into heaven and saying, God, we want to to press in. Of course, we answered uh, all sorts of questions about heaven last week, and um, I think it created um, more questions even as we answered questions. And I hope you feel assured that heaven will not be boring. Heaven will be amazing. It will be spectacular. It will be ever-expanding knowledge of God, ever-expanding opportunities that are going to happen And it will not be boring. And uh, I just can't say it enough. Start living your faith in a vibrant way today, and your view of heaven will change completely. And uh, whatever you see here is just a taste of how good heaven can be. Um, One person did ask this, and it came up several times, I guess, so I I just want to answer this. They said, I understand all this about heaven and eternity, but what's to make sure that we don't repeat this cycle that just happened? What's to make sure that one of us doesn't rise up and all of a sudden lead a rebellion? And I thought, well, that's a good question, and it did make me laugh because I once had a guy um, come into our church, and he said, you know, I I think I'm the Antichrist, and I I was like, no, I don't think you are. He goes, no, I think I'm the Antichrist, and I was trying to assure him he was not the Antichrist, and finally I just said, listen, you are not smart enough to be the Antichrist. You're not him, all right? So I think I solved it, but anyways... Uh, It was a counseling gift there. Um, But people said, what's going to stop us from doing this? I mean, we could do it again. Why wouldn't we go ahead and be rebellious? And here's the best answer I can tell you is that we'll have the example to look at. We'll have the example. If you think about Satan bowing up against God and having pride fill his heart and saying, I'm as good as you, I'm as great as you. There was no previous example of rebellion, but now we'll have that example of rebellion that it's wrong and that there's no one as great as God. We have the example of Jesus as our Savior. We have all this, and the fact that this this previous example basically will live in eternity saying, been there, done that, not interested. That doesn't work. And so we will exalt our King, our Savior, our Lord, and we will not fall back into that pattern, uh, into repeating what has already happened. So let me give you a couple things before we focus in on what does Jesus look like in heaven? Um, Again, answering some of the questions, I guess, what is Jesus doing right now in heaven? And I think as we answer these things and we look at what the Word of God has to say, it's going to give us some comfort, it's going to give us some joy It's going to bring us some peace. And I really think if we thought more of how Jesus was actually living right now in the presence of God the Father, we would live differently with this knowledge. So in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, Jesus ascends into heaven. And this is what the Bible says. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven... As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in the like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So he ascended into heaven, and we're waiting for him to return. But what is he doing until uh, he returns? The first thing, again, we've talked about already, but it says that he's preparing a place for us. And I can tell you this, he could either be overseeing the entire project of the heaven expansion, or he could literally be building. I think he's actually overseeing the expansion uh, progress and all the things that are going on in heaven. But John 14, 1 through 4 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where... Be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Heaven is expanding, and I think it's amazing. I love the fact that they talk about our universe is expanding, and I think heaven is expanding right now, and everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord that is, is calling for Jesus to forgive them, heaven is expanding. And last week, I just felt it so strong, and it's been my new prayer for our church. Lord, let our church be so busy that heaven is constantly expanding because of our efforts that we'll keep sending more missionaries, we'll keep reaching our neighbors, we'll keep adding services, adding campuses. But we want to be a church so busy um, that God is constantly building and adding on to heaven. So he's preparing a place for us. That's what it says he's doing right now. But it gets better. The Bible tells us that he's interceding for us right now. Right now, Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father and he's interceding for you. What does that mean? That means on your behalf, he's bringing things to the Father. It's a fancy word that says like in between, in between two people or in between the need, and you're representing and bringing the need to the person that can solve the need. And so Hebrews 7.25 says this, therefore he is able, speaking of Jesus, once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever, to intercede with God on their behalf. It means right now he is in eternity praying and interceding on your behalf. You ever thought about that? You are facing a temptation and Jesus is praying the perfect prayer to God the Father to give you strength to avoid the temptation. Some of you think, I can't make it. Jesus is interceding for you right now. He's praying for you. Romans 8.34 says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. He's right there, and and He's talking. Really, what prayer is, is talking to God. So many of us make it seem so much more mystical. Prayer is talking to God. And Jesus is talking to God the Father about your situation, my situation, the people that we need to reach, the things that we're undertaking for God, the resources that need to be found, the things that are going on. God is praying and, and interceding and doing those things, and it's absolutely amazing that this is going on right now on your behalf. Um, with that, some people ask me, though, uh, are, are other people in heaven praying for me? And I'm guessing that they come from a traditional religious background. And they're like, some people said, which saints does River Valley approve praying to? All right, now I just want to let you know that we believe that there's only one person that we should ask to be interceding for us. And in 1 Timothy 2 5, it talks about that we have one mediator, one person between God and man that we need to ask for prayer and we need to ask for us to get the help that we need. It's Jesus Christ. That's it. Okay? But the question kept getting asked, and so I really dug into this. Are there other people that are in heaven interceding and praying in any way, shape, or form? And I would have to say this. I think that they are in heaven also praying and interceding and praying for us and getting involved with what God is doing. But that does not mean we're supposed to ask them to ask Jesus to ask God the Father. Does that make sense? And the the best way I could illustrate this is... um, When my brother Roger was in a head-on collision, he was in a head-on collision, and I remember they medevaced him down to HCMC, and I immediately went to intercessory prayer. I fell to my knees, and I just started crying out, God, please save Roger's life. Please save Roger's life. Please save Roger. All my friends just saw what I was doing, and they all gathered around, and without the details even, they just started crying out to God, God, please save Roger's life. Please save Roger. They didn't even know who Roger was. They didn't have a clue what was going to, but because they were with me, they just started praying and interceding, God, please save Roger's life. Please save Roger's life. And we prayed together, unified as a group. So I believe that if Jesus is interceding to the Father, I believe that there are those that are in heaven that would be joining in with whatever Jesus is praying. Yes, God, that's exactly what we want. That's exactly what we desire. We echo the praise of heaven. We echo the words of Jesus. We're praying those very same things. But again, we're not supposed to go and figure out, like, if I lost something. Who do I pray to if I lost something, and who do I ask for help with that? We're not doing that, but we do take a look at um, different scriptures. Revelation 6 talks about the martyrs in heaven. They're asking God to take action. They're really saying, God, take action. There were things that were done to us as martyrs. Take action on that. So they're actually pleading to God for something to be done. In Revelation 5, 8, it talks about the prayers of the saints being held in heaven, that the prayers are there, that there's going on. It doesn't say that the prayers are only those of those who are on earth. It could be those in heaven that are praying and bringing things before God the Father. And it's an interesting thing. Um, Randy Elkhorn, again, the writer of the book on heaven, said it's a matter of perspective. Do you think the people in heaven are interested in the things that interest God or disinterested? I think they're interested. I don't think they're in heaven right now going, hey, we're just going to go check out what's on channel (laughs) 5,837. I think they're saying, whatever you're interested in, we are interested. If there's right now, we are in on whatever you are interested in. And we are leaning into whatever you're leaning in. And Jesus, if you are praying that the whole world would know you as Lord and Savior and that your name would be preached out, we're leaning into that. And if we're singing, we're singing in line with that. And we're praying in line with that. And it's a matter of interest of leaning in. Jesus is also this. Jesus is right now in heaven our advocate. John 1 verses 1 and 2 says this. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And what this saying is, it's saying right now we have an advocate that is standing before the Father, that whenever any accusation gets brought against you, Jesus says to the Father, wait, wait it's taken care of. They called upon my name. They're covered. And not only is he the advocate, he's the sacrifice. He said, Father, it's taken care of. It's taken care of that accusation that the enemy is bringing up against Rob or, or Lindsay or whoever, whoever God, he, he's like, that's not accurate. They have an advocate. I'm here standing in their behalf and they're covered, they're taken care of. Not only is he advocating for you, standing alongside you like a perfect lawyer and character witness and all the above, he said, I paid the price. I, I satisfied your demands, Father. I covered their sins. I removed their sins. I'm working on cleansing them right now. They're good, and that's what's going on. And when I think about who I am in Christ, the fact that The devil comes and brings up thoughts of, well, you did this, and then i got to realize Jesus is standing there saying, Father, they're covered. They called on my name. They're good. They're covered. The sins are forgiven. They're taken care of, and I paid the price. And I see this, and I'm just like, wow, no wonder we call him Savior. No wonder we call him Savior. No wonder we sing his praise. And if I could give you just a glimpse of heaven, it's the best glimpse of heaven that um, we really have. You know, we have different accounts of heaven, but this is just such an amazing glimpse of heaven. Uh, John, in the book of Revelation, gives us a glimpse of heaven, and I want to read this lengthy passage of Scripture and then explain it with the time we have remaining. Revelation 1, uh, starting in verse 9. He says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He was exiled there. He said, On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on the scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches. Then he names them there. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned and saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last." I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Right there for what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the ministers of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now let me just explain this. John has a revelation of Jesus, and I just... I want you to gather this and capture this. This is John, the beloved apostle, the beloved disciple, the one that said, I was close to Jesus. I was so close to Jesus. He has a revelation of Jesus, and he says, this is John, I'm, I'm just John, just a guy, just John, writing this to you guys. And I was on this drab little island of Patmos, not much to it. I was exiled. And I had this vision of heaven And he said, and I I heard a voice like a trumpet. And if I could tell you this, how many I think that the voice of Jesus must have been very normal when he was on earth. And the only reason I could say this is kids would be afraid of a very trumpet-sounding voice. And kids were not afraid of Jesus. But it says here that John, when he when he gets in the presence of Jesus, Jesus' voice is like this: write this down. I mean, like a trumpet. And there's going to be a day that we're going to hear the voice of Jesus, and it's going to be amazing and powerful. I mean, if you've ever seen the guy that does the boxing stuff, he's like, let's get ready to You know what he gets? He tries to make his voice. Jesus, it's going to be, write this down. I am Alpha and Omega. I mean, it's going to blow our mind. And I thank God that he whispers to me now and I thank God that I could look forward to this moment when it is all of the above. Dolby, Cinemax, stereo, sound, all of the above. And he says, I am Alpha and Omega. And I think that's very important that someone needs to hear this. He's saying, I'm the God that finishes what I start. I finish what I start. I'm Alpha and Omega. Everything you need is in me. And he says this to John. And then he says, John's just describing Jesus, what he looks like. And in verse 13 he says, He was dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. And I want to let you know that when he was telling us this, John was telling us Jesus is dressed like a king in heaven. Jesus is dressed like a king. And it's very important when he said his robe was all the way to the ground, because if you were a worker, you'd have your robe up off the ground because it would get dirty, and you need to work a little bit, and if your robe was down by the ground, it meant that you were in clean places and royal places, and so John is trying to tell us, guys, I'm getting a glimpse of who Jesus is, and he is King Jesus, and he's wearing a gold sash, and it's absolutely amazing, this picture that he's getting, totally different than anything John has ever seen, and of course... I've already read it, but I'll read it again. Verse 14, it says, His hair on his head was like white like wool, white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held the seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And if I could stop for just a moment, the stars that it's talking about there really are pastors." Not celebrity stars, but just little lights pointing to the big light. And Jesus, if you can get this picture, he says, I'm holding the church in my hand right now. Think about this. Jesus is holding the church in his hand, and everything we do is because of Jesus. And every person that's ministering is ministering through the power and strength of Jesus. He's like, I'm holding you, I've got you, and everything you do is in my hands. And John's getting this revelation, like, this is blowing his mind and then in verse 17 (coughs) excuse me it says when I saw him I fell at his feet as though dead I want us to grab this picture of Jesus right now and as we get ready to worship for just a moment in all of our services when I saw him I fell at his feet as though dead this is John the beloved disciple. This is the one that was closest to Jesus, closer than anyone really on this earth was to Jesus. And when he sees Jesus in heaven, he has this moment like wow. Wow. I I can't even stand in the presence of the one that I called my friend. Do you get this? I can't even stand in the presence of the one that I called my friend. I'm in awe, and I fell at his feet like I was dead. And he was just so overwhelming. And when I think about this, this is, it's been a 55-year gap, according to you know, the history of this. Since Jesus has left the earth, it's about a 55-year gap. And John's now like, wow. I knew Jesus when he was riding on a donkey. I knew Jesus when he was being whipped and suffering and paying the price. I know Jesus when he was betrayed. I know Jesus on the earth and, and the pain that he was feeling. I, I know Jesus, and I was, but I've never seen Jesus like this. This Jesus blows me away to the point that I fall on my knees and there's a reverence there. There's a holiness there. There's an awe, an all-powerful Jesus. And I think that we've got to lift our our view of Jesus higher. We've got to get a little bit more Revelation 1 Jesus in our life right now. So many times we, we understand that he came in the form of a servant. We understand that he made himself of no reputation. We understand that he paid the price. He willingly was led like a lamb to the slaughter. But John's saying, Wait till you see Jesus. Wait till you see him now. He's king, he's conqueror, he's Lord of lords, he's savior, he's all powerful. And when you pray, when you have a need, when you have something that's going on in your life, that's the Jesus you should be seeing now. That's the Jesus we should be grabbing hold of. And it just blows my mind that if John was like, I fall at your feet, I fall at your feet, I fall at your feet, you're so amazing. And I'm just wondering, I think it'd be so appropriate for us to just say, Jesus, I fall at your feet. I fall at your feet. I want a greater revelation of who you are right now and what you're doing in heaven. Right now, you're interceding on my behalf. I don't have to give in to those sins and those temptations. Right now, you're pleading before the Father for me and the prayers I'm praying for my family to find faith. You're praying with and I'm praying with you and we're praying together. you're all-powerful God you're bigger than my problem and if it blew John away when he had a glimpse of Jesus I think it should blow us away when we think about Jesus in heaven I think we should let God blow our 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 just low thoughts of him and help us to elevate our thoughts of Jesus to be higher than they really are higher than we've ever thought them to be Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords and it says that Jesus came down and touched John he said, come on, it's okay, I got something for you. And that just shows once again that even though he's amazing, even though that he's all powerful, he's like, I'm in relationship with you. I love you, I care for you, I lift you up. But I want us to have a greater, greater revelation of who Jesus is here and at all of our campuses. So Lord, I just pray right now. I pray right now that we would grab hold of a greater revelation of who you are, that you are interceding, that you are an advocate, that you are right now uh, preparing a place for us. And that place is heaven, that eternal place that we'll spend with you. And Jesus, we thank you that we can worship your name, that we can praise your name. And I pray that we would have a glimpse, like John did, of just how great and how glorious you really are. Uh, forgive us for such low views of your power and your greatness. Forgive us for, for just dwelling on the fact that you came humbly, but now we, we serve a risen Savior that is all-powerful, that has the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and doesn't need to worry. We can thank you, God. I just pray that you'd elevate our view of you, elevate our understanding of you, and as we look at who you are in heaven, we'd have that reality be burned into our heart that we serve King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus, Savior, And as we're leaning into heaven, God, help us to grab this reality. In your name we pray, amen, amen.